Father, uh, uh, we do thank you once again for the opportunity we have to gather together. And I do pray, Lord, that as we get into your word, you would bless this time. Give us ears to hear, hearts that want to be molded and chained, uh, changed, Lord. And thank you so much. We can dig in here, kind of look at this whole structure of family and home and God, your, uh, your idea for that. And I pray that you would just, Lord, again, minister to us right where we're at. No matter where we're coming from, if what, what's going on in our lives, I know, Holy Spirit, you have something for us. So I pray that, again, you would anoint and bless this time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, tonight we kind of hit that section that uh, I like. It's just talking about, talking about family. And Paul has been in, so far in Colossians, he's been talking to us about just our walk with the Lord and Christianity and how we interact with each other. Now he gets down to the nitty gritty. And I do believe, listen, I believe strongly that the family unit is the core of everything, whether we're talking about nation or whatever. And so God has, listen, God has specifics for that. He didn't have general ideas. God is very specific how the family is to function. And again, I firmly believe when the family gets dysfunctional, it messes everything else up. And so he lays this out for the Colossian believers and lets them know, listen, he's got a plan. And God has from the very beginning laid out. In Genesis chapter three, he talks about the family. In 1 Timothy, he gives us a reason why as he goes back to that. And we need to understand that. So God has, listen, he's got a plan for the family. He has a plan for husbands, wives, children. And then even in this section, he gets into our work. And, you know, some of us probably don't like that part. When God starts interfering with our work environment, that gets a little sketchy, right? Like it's none of his business how I conduct myself at the job. Yeah, God is very concerned about that. So, uh, listen, we're going to cover all of that tonight. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail when we did Ephesians we spent three weeks going over the family unit and marriage, and we're not going to go that in-depth, but we're going to also kind of get a refresher and an understanding of what's going on. But here's what's interesting. Whether it's in Ephesians or here, Paul always comes out of the idea of who we are as Christians. Look at, before we get into verse 18, look at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything we do in our lives is about God and giving, you know, giving thanks. So we need to understand that. And then now he goes right in to the first part that, uh, I, you know, I think verse 18, verse 18 kind of cracks me up because people get so freaked out by verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And I know, listen, I know for some of us, we're going, I don't like that. I don't like that. And then some people tell me this. Well, you know, that's just an archaic thought. You know, Paul is out of his mind. But nobody says that about verse 19, Right? Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives. We all like embrace that one, right? But the other one, we're not so much. Listen, 18 and 19 were written by the same guy at the same time with the same thought. So I think, listen, I think part of it is we just have a misunderstanding of what he's talking about here. Number one, he's not, listen, he's not making some people better than others. 
We're told in Galatians, we're told over and over again, listen, we're all equal as far as the cross and as far as salvation. But having said that, there's gotta be structure. And without structure, things fall apart. And God has a structure. And we need to understand that. And it's okay. Listen, it's all right. Number one, if you're looking at verse 17, verse 18 is not that frightening. And so keep that in mind. And then, and listen, he talks about this again. In Ephesians, we talked about it. Ephesians chapter five, 1 Peter chapter three. Listen, this is not isolated. It's all through scripture. And in Ephesians chapter five, he talks about all of us walking in the spirit and submitting one to another. Now here, all of a sudden, where he says, listen, where he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I think we gotta take that first part, or the last part first, as is fitting in the Lord. And I think, listen, I think if we're unwilling to do one part, you're not gonna be submitted to the Lord. Because this is the Lord speaking, not Paul. And he says, as is fitting in the Lord. And then number two, and this is where I think it gets misapplied. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. This is not a mandate for every woman to submit to every man. I've heard that taught before. I've heard some people do that, and I'm thinking, you are out of your mind. Listen, that's not what's being talked about here. What's being talked about is the family unit. And there has to be, listen, there has to be a head. When in nature, I always use this illustration, in nature, when something has more than one head, what do we call it? A freak, right? I mean, things are freaky. You see animals born with two heads. You see snakes born with two heads. It's not natural. And it's not natural. Listen, it's not natural as we're talking about here. So wives, listen, it should not be something that scares us. And then I want to say something to husbands before we get into the husband's part. Here it does not say, husbands, make sure your wives submit to you. It's not what it says. So this whole thing's not about being a servant or servitude or any of those things. It's about structure and order. And it shouldn't be, listen, it shouldn't be something, again, if we're walking in the Lord, it shouldn't be something that like freaks us out and makes us think, well, that's just a dumb idea. It's old fashioned, it's archaic and I'm not gonna do it. If you wanna have a good, strong marriage, you gotta do your part. Gaynell and I have shared, we've been married for 51 years now. It's a lot of work. Thank you, yeah. Listen, and, and you have to work at it. It doesn't just happen. And both parties have to work at it. And listen, you have to fulfill your role in a godly marriage. You need to find out what God wants you to do, whether you're a woman or whether you're a man, and we'll talk about men in a moment. But listen, you fulfill your role and you ask God, I wanna be the best wife or the best husband I can be. And the only way, listen carefully, the only way you can do that is follow God's plan because guess what? He's the one that invented marriage. Not the state, not the country. He's the one to put it together. Again, you can go back to Genesis chapter three. He's the one that did it. So we need to get understanding from him. So when he says, submit to your husbands, he's not saying be a doormat. He's not saying being less than. He's saying you have a different role. When I was in the army, my lovely time, 
And most of my time in the Army was a private because of certain presidents we had that will go unnamed, Nixon. But, <laughs> but most of my time, and listen, so I, was, I had this level, and I knew, listen, I knew where I belonged in the order of rank, right? I'm at the bottom. Doesn't, I wasn't less than. I had just a different role. And you live with that. Well, the same here, listen, the same here, you live with that. So it doesn't mean you're less than, doesn't mean you're a doormat. It means you know your position. And I believe, in, at least in my marriage, as my wife submits, our marriage becomes stronger and more productive for the world around us. So he says, do that. Now, then he says in verse 19 that none of us think is archaic. And again, you can go, we did a whole long thing in Ephesians when we talked about it. Oh, I do have to say this. No, I won't say it. Well, maybe later I'll say it. But listen, so we do that. Then for men, he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Oh, now once again, I think, personally, I think the command to men is a lot harder than what he gives women. In Ephesians chapter five, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's huge. I don't care, I don't care whether you're male or female, you gotta understand, that is huge demand on the husbands. Now, a couple things. He doesn't say love your wife when she's being submissive. <laughs> he doesn't, listen, he doesn't say love your wives when you feel it. He just, here's the command to husbands. Love your wives. Agape, love. Not, not the romantic, not the, 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 you know, other. Just love your wife no matter what. No matter what she does, no matter how she acts, you love your wife. I, I got this. This was from a, a, a lady who wrote a book called liberated through submission, but listen to this, this is great, this is her speaking. Once I understood what God had called my husband to do in regard to me, I had an urge to run to the local drugstore and buy him a sympathy card. <laughs> listen to what she says. He is to guide, this is for husbands, wives, don't, don't write this down. He is to guide and direct me in all my defiance and stubbornness and rebellion. He is responsible for my spiritual condition, question mark. And, and even when I'm being a real basket case. And he is to love me when I'm unlovely. And he is to live with me in an understanding way when many times I don't even understand myself. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so... I know some women say, well, if I had that guy, then I could submit to him. But again, it's neither one of these is conditional. So husbands, listen, husbands have this, this command on them and this mandate from God that we're to love our wives no matter what. I believe, listen, I believe if more husbands were more loving, I think more wives would be more submitting. Now, and I think the other way, if more wives were more submitting, I think more husbands would be more loving. And it takes two. It takes both parties, and we need to understand that. I believe, I believe part of the problem with our culture 
and our world and our nation is because the family units broke down. It's a mess. And we kind of look at everything else, but none of us want to look inside. None of us want to look for our part. What did I do? What am I doing? How am I, how am I part of the solution and not part of the problem? How am I maintaining my marriage and working in my marriage? Am I, am I being somebody who I'm being responsible to what God has called me? Because obviously here, there are two different roles in marriage, and we need to understand that. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just roles. It's where God has placed us and what God has said, and he's done it from the beginning. So why are we not doing that? Well, because we're rebellious. And we're people that we think we don't have to do that. And here's what we say. Ah, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Bible stuff. Doesn't apply to me. No, it applies to us. And by the way, if you're single, it applies to you too. Because if you're single, some single people are wanting to be married sometime. So that applies to them. But even that, you still have to conduct yourself in a certain way. So he gives this mandate. And again, I think it's important that we understand what has he been talking about? He's been talking about being Christians. I mentioned it last week, and I'll say it stronger this week. If you're not functioning this way in your home, don't pretend you're a great Christian out in the world and being a great witness, because you're not. We need to understand that, and we need to take responsibility. I'm not a Christian when I'm out in public and a jerk when I'm home. So having said also the part about, about husbands loving their wives and not to be bitter towards them, I believe, listen, I believe it's extremely important that we understand. Sometimes your spouse is gonna do things that you don't like. They're gonna do things to hurt you. You're gonna have some difficult times and you gotta work through them. Listen, especially husbands, man. Husbands, we got a responsibility. Don't ever, listen, don't ever be bitter towards your wife. Don't have this like little, oh, I love you, sweetheart. If you would just disappear, it would be so nice. <laughs> listen, don't be bitter. So, so he gives this command. Now listen, here's the thing. He gives each one of us a responsibility and a role and I don't think you can, I don't think you can say verse 18 doesn't apply to our generation. If you're going to do that, then verse 19 doesn't apply. And then if you're going to do that, neither does 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, chapter 4. Well, you know what? Then the whole Bible doesn't apply to your life. So we take this for what it says. And we're people that we go, okay, I am going to walk with the Lord. And I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what, you know, your neighbors might say, oh, you're so old-fashioned. It's okay. It's all right to be old-fashioned. Because the next part we're going to read about will never happen, listen carefully, unless 18 and 19 are happening. So what does he do? Now he goes from, listen, now he goes from husband and wife to children, verse 20, children obey your parents in all things. Now here's what I want to ask you. Is 20 valid for today? Is something valid? Is something we would expect? 
nodding your heads, then you got to expect verse 18. I'm just like going to go back to that because that's the one nobody wants. Nobody wants verse 18, but they want 19, 20, 21, 22. We just want to skip over. Get a black highlighter and just highlight verse 18 and you won't have to worry about it because it'll be gone. That's sarcasm. Some of you are thinking, oh, oh, I didn't think of doing that. Children, obey your parents. Why should your child obey you when you won't obey God? Ouch. Some of you are going, dude, you're just crossing a line now. You're like getting up in our business. Really, why should they? If you're not willing to obey God, why should your child obey you? You're setting the example for them. And you're telling them, well, I'm not going to do that part. And, you know, your children are going to follow some of your rules and not other of your rules. Why? Because that's what you're doing with God. So first of all, listen, once again, if 18 and 19 are not functioning in your family, don't expect 20 to function well. I'm not saying it's not going to function at all, but it's not going to function well. So this is a command to children, and some of you are going, you don't let our kids in here. Can they come in here and hear you tell them to obey us? I think you should handle that part. I don't think I'm the one responsible for making your children obey you. When we were out on Hereford Road and we had a school, some of the kids would, some of the parents would come and say, make sure my children know to obey me. I don't think I'm supposed to do that. And I remember there was this one high schooler. He was big. And... He had really blown it, so we had him in the office, and then his dad came in, and I'll never forget this. His dad said this, well, I can't, I can't make him behave because he's too big. And here's what his dad said, I'm afraid of him. And I go, I'm not. And he goes, you see how big he is? I said, I don't care, I got weapons. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big he is. If he wants to go down, I'll go with him. Why would we ever tell our children we're afraid of them? But you know what? That's how some people parent. They're scared to death that their child is going to do something, and then they parent them that way, and they don't parent them properly. Listen, so first of all, kids are to obey, and then in Ephesians chapter 6, you can, you can read that to your kids tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, this is the first one with a promise that if you obey your parents, it'll go well with you. But then listen here, he says, listen, he says, children, obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord, less, uh, he says, uh, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Once again, if we're raising our kids up in the Lord, we need to give them that understanding. So listen, he gives that part, and I'm not going to dwell on that a lot because we don't have our kids in here, and as a parent, I'm going to give you the parental things. Verse 21, fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children. Oh, oh. You see, as parents, we're responsible for how we raise our children, Nothing bothers me more than when I'm in a grocery store and I hear a parent say, don't do that. I said, don't do that. I said, don't do that. Don't make me tell you not to do that again. I want to go over and say, can I give you a hand here? I'll help you out. Why would you do that with your children? 
You don't need to be somebody that you have to tell your children 14 times not to do something. And when he says don't provoke them, I believe as you're doing that, you're provoking that child. And you're blowing it for that child. Now, some of us, though, we make such stringent, crazy rules that no child could ever live under them. That's provoking your child. I believe in, I believe in, as we parent our kids, I believe, number one, we need to have a great relationship with our children. And we need to build a relationship with them. And we need to build a relationship where that child will trust us and will begin to believe that we have their best interest at heart. And as we begin to build that relationship and we begin to communicate with our children, listen, they're gonna listen to you and they're gonna trust you. And you're gonna build that trust and you're gonna be able to tell them things. But when you make some, like I hear some parents' rules and I go, seriously? Like, I so would not do that. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not saying as a parent, I'm saying as a kid, you put that kind of stuff on me, I am gonna be so stinking rebellious. And we need to know, listen, we need to be parents who are reasonable, but we also need to be parents, if you make a rule, nothing bothers me more than you make a rule and you don't enforce it. If you make a rule, enforce the rule. If you can't enforce the rule, drop the rule. It's kind of easy. Just say, that's not a rule in our home anymore. Again, when we had the school, I remember there were some things and, and some of the, uh, the principal or the staff didn't want to enforce that rule. I go, if we're not going to enforce that, then we need to change the rule. Because here's the thing, as adults and especially as parents, I believe we represent God to our, our children. We reflect God to our children. And when we make a rule and then we don't enforce it, we're all wishy-washy, here's what they think. God doesn't really mean what he says. And therefore, I can read scripture and he doesn't really mean that. So listen, if you're gonna make a rule, enforce that rule. I remember one time, some kids came over and, and this is when we were still in Bisbee and, and I don't remember how old, I think Leah was in junior high, I don't remember. She was, she was too old for me to do this, but I had to do it. So. Some kids came over and we had just bought her a new bed and I didn't get it all put together like I didn't have all the screws in. And, I, and she says, but daddy, I wanna show kids my bed. I go, that's fine, just do not get on it. Because if you get on it, I'm gonna know it because it's gonna be on the floor. I came back and it was on the floor. Now, here's what I told her. If you do that, I'm going to spank you. And she was a little, probably, probably right at that age where maybe, you know, you kind of, but I made the promise that I was going to spank her. And so I got home and I said, you shouldn't have done that. And that's the last time I ever spanked my daughter. Some of you are like appalled. It's okay. To, it's all right. I wasn't abusive. Just take a breath. And I, I remember I spanked her and some other parents had told their kids the same thing and they called me and they said, you're really not gonna spank Leah, are you? And I go, not again. <laughs> pretty much got that done. And listen, but you know what? My daughter knew that I meant what I said. And I had a great relationship with my daughter. Like my daughter, like we kind of had to kick her out of the house to get rid of her. She was just like hanging on and I did an arranged marriage and certain things. And, but 
Listen, we had a great relationship. And part of it is, once again, meaning what you say and being faithful to it, not being somebody who's overbearing. I don't think there's anything worse than, I'm the ruler. And if your child asks you why, give them a reason. Don't say, because I'm bigger, that's why. That works when they're like this big. But as they get older, you need to, listen, you need to have conversations. Now, I don't think, listen, I don't think you need to reason with a two-year-old because they don't have great reasoning skills. But you don't need to treat a 15-year-old like a two-year-old. And we need to understand that. And we need to be people who were going to treat our children the way that we, number one, we would want to be treated, but number two, so they can grow in the grace and the knowledge and understanding of who God is. That's extremely important. When my daughter started hanging out with a guy, that was tough. That's kind of when, you know, you let them know, you do anything wrong, I will kill you, and then I will repent and still go to heaven. <laughs> so don't do anything with my daughter. I, again, I have weapons, I have things. She's my daughter, right? It's parents, dads, all the dads are going... But I remember she was hanging out with this guy and they were kind of, they were, they were kind of dating and they're doing something. And, you know, in our home, we had the, we had the uh, principle that you didn't be alone. You could do things, but you just don't get alone. And that's just, that's one of the things that was one of the rules that we had. And I remember my daughter said, Dad, what's the big deal? And here's what she said, don't you trust me? This is one of our greatest father-daughter conversations. She says, Dad, don't you trust me? And I go, well, I do trust you. I don't trust your hormones, but I do trust you. And she says, but don't you trust Joe? And I go, nah, not so much. I go, I know he's a good guy, but he's got hormones too, so no, not so much. And, and, I, and she says, well, she says, so there is some trust. And I go, yeah. And she goes, so what's the deal? Why can't we do things? And I said, here's why. I trust you pretty much. I trust Joe a little less. But I don't trust Satan. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to do whatever he can to destroy you. And that much I know. And I don't trust your hormones. So here's what I said. Leah, I'm asking you to trust me in the decisions I'm making. And you know, my daughter went, okay, that sounds fair. You see, we have to have those conversations with our children. And we have to talk to them. We have to give them understanding. I'm just not making some arbitrary rules. And I'm not just doing things because I'm bigger than, greater than. I'm doing things because number one, I really care about you. And number two, we all have an enemy of our souls and we need to protect. I'm gonna protect my daughter. If I'm gonna, listen, if I'm willing to shoot a teenage boy, then I'm gonna do all I can to keep Satan out of her life. And I wouldn't have shot him. Some of you are going, really? No, I wouldn't have, probably not, most likely. Well, I almost did, but that's a whole different story. So anyway, listen, man. Listen, we have to care about our kids. And he says, do not listen. 
do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I do see kids walking around that are beaten down and that's not good. That's not Christ-like. So here again, if I'm not doing what I'm doing as a husband, my wife's not doing what she's supposed to be doing as a wife, why would we expect our children to be doing what they should be doing as children from a godly home? So we start developing that. So once again, you know, here's what he's saying in verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? We're functioning as a Christian family and as a unit. So that's a family, and again, you can get our thing on Ephesians. We went a lot deeper on each one of these and spent, you know, one night on each part. And so I'm not going to do that. But listen, as he does this, now he gets into this whole area. Listen, we're supposed to do that. And then he says, verse 22, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Oh, wow, wow. Do you read what I read? Bond servants, here's what he's saying. Slaves, obey your masters. I think most of us understand that in that culture, in that generation, slavery was alive, quote, and well. Not so much like the American, the American slavery was ugly and nasty and dirty, but you got to understand Roman slavery wasn't much better. I think it was Aristotle said slaves are nothing more than human tools. So listen, they had, but do you know they had 60 million slaves? Almost half of the population of Rome were slaves. And what I find fascinating is the fact that Jesus didn't say anything about Shutting down slavery. Here, Paul, Paul doesn't say, slaves, get out of there. Although in Corinthians, he does say, if you can be free, get your freedom. But they weren't, listen, they weren't about social justice. They were about being Christians. And something I found with the gospel, with the gospel, you can be a Christian no matter what your circumstances are. And it's sad to me today, a lot of people are making their Christianity dependent on their circumstances. And we can't do that. We need to be Christians whether we're in the best circumstance or the worst circumstance. And so Paul here is telling these guys, listen, this is where you're at in life, so here's what you need to do. You need to be a Christian in that place. You need to act like a Christian. You need to live like a Christian. So what does a Christian do? He says, here's what you do. He says, listen. He says, you obey in all things your master according to the flesh. Oh, I'm just supposed to be obedient. So let's take this because most of us, I don't think there's too much slavery going on in Sierra Vista right now. Maybe a little bit, but not too much. So let's just apply this to work. Let's just take it from slavery to work. Employees, let's say that. Employees. Obey your boss in all things. All things? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. That's kind of a tough one, right? I don't think I like this part, Pat. I think this is a little archaic. You know what? I don't mind 18. I don't mind verse 19, but now you're like getting very personal. Do you hear what he's saying? We're supposed to be obedient. 
And he says, not just with eye service. In other words, listen, he's talking a little bit about lazy people, but I just think we gotta, we gotta, we gotta process this whole thing in our lives. Am I a good employee? Am I a good employee in all things? Am I somebody who, do you go home and complain about your job? I hate my boss. If you hate your boss, listen carefully. Get another job. And I know people go, do you know how hard it is? Right now, it's not that hard. You can roll burritos over here at Rodolfo's. Remember, we've talked about that. They have a help wanted sign. So if your, your job's that bad, go roll a few burritos and, and you'll be a happy camper. Who else is hiring? I was someplace the other day. I, almost every place you go, it says now hiring. So, oh, Wendy's needs managers. I'm going to do a little advertisement now. So you're going, I don't want that kind of job. Well, then quit complaining about the job God has given you. And do a good job. And don't, listen, and be somebody who you're obedient. Now, listen, we, we, I don't think he's talking about, you know, if somebody asks you to do something ungodly, Yes, now, I know some of you are going, well, but this is ungodly. No, we're not talking about your definition of ungodly. We're talking about biblical definition. So, listen, obey, and here's he's saying, you know, that way, and he says, listen, according to the flesh, and not with eye servants as man pleasers, but sincerity of heart fearing God. Woo! How many of you do your job as though you're working for Jesus? Oh, I really don't like you now, Pat. That's what he's saying to do, right? Do your job. Listen carefully. Serving God is not just what you do in ministry. Serving God is what you do 24-7. And serving God is what, hey, when I'm doing my job, I'm serving God. Now some of you go, yeah, well, you've got the easiest job in the world, man. You're a pastor. It's easy to serve God. Okay. God bless you. We're supposed to do our jobs that way. And not just when he's looking. Listen, do you get the idea? And here's something that really, 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 really bugs me. It's people who are lazy in the ministry. Mm. You don't go into ministry to put your feet up on a desk. And nothing bothers me more than, oh, Pastor Pat's car's here. We'll do the right thing. Oh, his car's gone. Hmm. Number one, I'm not the boss. Jesus is. God is. And you're accountable to him. And it's not just, listen, it's not just here at Calvary. It's wherever you are. Do you know God sees you at work? Just letting you know. Some of you go, no, man, my work, I work for Satan incarnate. God could not be there. Oh, he's there. He's there, and he's watching. And we need to know that, and we don't just work well when somebody's watching. We do well all the time. As a matter of fact, I think we should do well more when they're not watching than when they are watching. And we should be those kind of people. And then I read a couple stories. There was a couple people I read about got fired for doing their job too well. That's crazy, right? Because here's what happens. You do your job well, and you do things as unto the Lord, your coworkers are not going to like you because you're showing them up. 
And then they're going to go to the boss and they're going to spread some rumors. Maybe you get fired for it. But you know what? Don't get bitter. Just go find another job and do that job well. So we're to do our jobs well, not just with eye service as men pleasers, but we need to understand we're working for the Lord and we're doing what we do for the Lord. And then verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. Oh man, you just like got to kick in and do it and do it with everything you have. Would to God that more people would work that way. And more people would have that attitude in their place of employment. I think, listen, I, I think it would be great if as believers we would work that way and then we could tell people about Jesus. But don't be somebody who you're skating on the boss and you're doing things and you're cheating on your time card and you're cheating on this and then say, oh, would you like to hear about Jesus? Your boss is gonna say, no, not so much. Not your Jesus. So let's be those people, right? Let's be those people that we're doing everything we do as unto the Lord. No matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm working, no matter what's going on. And like I said, I believe if you can't do that, you need to find a new place. You need to change. If it's that miserable and that bad and that hard, I believe you need to do that. Now listen, I think sometimes it's that miserable and that bad and that hard because we've made it that way. And we put ourselves in that position. I know some people are absolutely unreasonable to work with. I remember I worked with a guy in, when I worked in the electric shop in, in, uh, with Phelps Dodge, and I remember he was one of these guys, no matter what you did, he criticized it. And that's hard. But you know what? You just get past that. And either you move on or you realize, I'm working for Jesus, doesn't matter. It's kind of like I tell you guys when I'm singing, not singing to y'all. I'm singing to Jesus. It's the same thing when I'm, hallelujah, someone said. <laughs> You're way in the back. You can't hear me sing. What are you saying I'm from way back there for? <laughs> but when you're working, even if that boss is overbearing, you're not working for him. You're working for Jesus. And we have that mindset. Oh, and then he goes, listen, then he kind of reverses it. And he says, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord. Oh, you see, you know if you're doing that, it's going to be a good thing on that day when you come into his presence. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you're going to get that. Listen, that's what, we, that's what I live for. That's what I want to hear. I, I, you know, I like it when some of you say, oh, I really like what you had to say. That's nice and, and, and great. But man, I want to hear Jesus. I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. So when I'm doing things, I do it to him, not to others, not as a man pleaser, not for eye service. I do it to Jesus. So I hear that and I get that. And, and then he says, but listen, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Oh! That's kind of scary, isn't it? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about you're actually, before God, going to be judged how you do your job? Some of you are going, never put it in those terms. Not sure I even like you talking that way. Not sure I even like this. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm really mad that I came tonight. 
If you do it wrong, listen, if you do it wrong, it's going to come back on you. Here's what I found. If you push against authority, authority pushes against you. And it happens every time. And it doesn't matter where you're at in authority. You start doing that and just, just naturally it begins to happen. But greater than that, God is seeing what you're doing. And I think, listen, I think a lot of things in our, in our, in our, our situations, our circumstances are self-inflicted. And then we are of a culture where we always blame somebody else, right? It's not my fault. I hear that so many times. It's not my fault. Well, maybe it is your fault. Maybe you did do something. We have this whole culture of entitlement. You know, it's, it's like people go, I'm not entitled, and I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty. But all of us, we live in a culture, we've been influenced by this whole idea of entitlement. Whether we want to admit it or not, we're heavily influenced by it. And then we get this idea when something doesn't work out, it's not my fault. I think some of us are going to go before the judgment seat of Christ he talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I think some of us are going to go before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to try and do that. Not my fault. That's not going to fly with Jesus. So listen, you're going to be repaid. Now, that's enough. Now, let's do the flip on this, right? Because we're talking about all of these things. And then verse 1 of chapter 4, masters or employers give your employees what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Oh, you see, he has something to say about employers. I'm just going to use that term now because we're not in an era of slavery. So listen, as an, if you own a business or you're in a position of authority in some aspect in your job, you need to be a person who you're fair and you're just, and you're always fair and just. And you don't ask people to do things that you wouldn't do. You don't ask them to cross a line. You don't ask them to do certain things. So it's not just, listen, it's not just employees. It's also the employers have a responsibility because we serve Jesus. And if we're an employer, we don't put hard expectations on people who are working for us. I've been kind of out of that area of that kind of workforce for a long time. In 1976, we started our own business. And so I was self-employed, and, and so I was pretty good to my employers, employees. And Gaynell wouldn't say that, but I was good to her. She just got mad because I didn't pay her enough. Actually, she got mad. She goes, you know, I was part of that business. And I didn't get any Social Security income from that business. You got it all. And I said, but honey, it doesn't matter now because you have to have current status for Social Security. I don't care. You should have given me some. So, you know, as an employer, I blew it by not, she wasn't hired. She worked for free. 
I work for free most of the time. When you're self-employed, you kind of work for free. But listen carefully. But we need to, so I'm kind of out of that whole idea of employee, employer. Even here, I don't think of us as employees and employers. I think here at the church, we're, we're called to do what we're doing. And we're doing, you know, we're doing what we're doing because God has called us and placed us here. So I kind of look that way. So I, listen, I know some of you are going, well, you've been outside of that. You don't know what you're talking about. But I do know what I'm talking about. Why? Because I know the scripture. And here's what the scripture says. Christian. Hey, Christian. You're supposed to be a Christian no matter where you're at. You're supposed to be a Christian in your home. If you can't be a Christian in your home, how are you ever going to be a Christian at work? Well, that's different. No, it's not different. Well, I'm not a Christian at work. I'm only a Christian when I'm in church. That's not a good thing. That's not a good answer. We're supposed to be a Christian 24-7. We're supposed to be doing this walk 24-7. In our homes, I want my home to reflect God. Why? Because it's how the world is going to see God. They're not going to see him by the, watching each other. they got to watch me. And in my home, listen, I want people to see a marriage that is dedicated to God, that is strong, that they can know. That is what God intends for marriage to be. And as I raise my children, and I'm kind of past that now, I know, but as I raise my children, I want to raise them in a way that I'm an encourager. I develop in them. I want to pour into them so that my daughter, I wanted to pour into her so she could be all and the best she could be and the best person. I wanted her to be the best Leah she could be. And I wanted to make sure that happened in her life. And I, I would sacrifice for that. And I think most parents will. We're willing to sacrifice. And we're going to raise them up. And we're going to work with them. And again, a lot of us are at that place. I'm kind of looking around. A lot of us are at that place where our children are adults now. How are they doing as adults? Do you still have a good relationship with your kids? I think as adults, if you still have a good relationship with your kids, I think you did a good job raising them. If your relationship's really strained, I think number one, you need to fix that. But number two, maybe you blew out as you were raising them and put unreal expectations and difficulties. Maybe you didn't tell them. Do you tell your kids you love them? Spend some time with them? I read a statistic. Somebody said the average dad spends 37 seconds a day with his child. I hope that's not true. I read that and I said, how do you raise a child in 37 seconds? It's like that was mind-boggling. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But do you tell your kids you love them? I know that's something that I didn't get from my dad. My dad never used those words. And part of it was his issues, not mine. And, but listen, I didn't let that affect me. I don't let that define who I am. And I made sure my daughter knew I loved her and I cared for her. As a matter of fact, even today when I talk to her, I make sure she knows that I care about her and I want to be part of her life. And then we get into this whole work thing, this work ethic. Let's call it that. In America, we've lost that. And as Christians, we kind of buy into it. Well, everybody else is doing it. Why don't I do it? Everybody else is cheating. Oh, and by the way, do not steal from work. That always bugs me. And especially pens that are skillcraft U.S. government pens. <laughs> don't steal those. 
The other day, we're doing a memorial, and I'm not kidding. We're doing a memorial. It was a big memorial. It was the Border Patrol was here. And the guy says, oh, let's put out our pants. And he's got the U.S. government skill crap. I go, do not put those on that table, ever. I go, you just stole those. And he goes, no, we're, we're. I go, no, Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'll go get pens. Do not put that out. And so listen, and some of you are going, what's the big deal about a pen? Oh, if you'll take a pen, you'll take something else. You just proved to the, your employer you can't be trusted. Hmm. So, some of you are like freaking out. Some of your hands are sweating right now. <laughs> Go take them back. All of them, get in your drawers, get those pens out, take them back. It's bad that they have U.S. government on them and you just take them. Anyway, sorry. What else have you taken from work? Did you cheat on your time card? Oh, but I just cheat a little bit. Oh, that's okay, that's fine. Just as long as it's only this much. As long as it's only a few hours, that's fine. That's what we think, right? No, it's cheating. We need to be people that we have integrity in every area of our life. Raising up our kids with our spouses, with our employers, with our employees. It's about integrity. And here's what Paul says. Going back to verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. That's how we're supposed to live. So let's do that, right? And let's change the world. Listen, changing the world isn't just we're gonna share the gospel with people and they're gonna get saved. We're gonna change the world by being believers in this world and changing it that way. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that you give us in your word. And God, I do pray. I pray that as believers, and we would grab a hold of this text, not just relegate it to, oh, it was a Thursday night Bible study, or, and we just kind of just push it aside. But I believe right now, right here in this passage, that we're getting down to the very basic, the nitty-gritty of our Christian life. And once again, if I cannot be a good believer to my wife and my family, then how on earth am I going to be a good witness to the world? And I pray that we would determine in our hearts that we're going to be the best possible spouse there is, the best parent there is, the best employee, the best employer. And we would have that heart so that we could serve others in the right way and that we could be that witness and we wouldn't have to be somebody who we don't tell people we're a Christian because of the things we're doing. But by doing, we would tell people we're a Christian. By the way we conduct ourselves and the things that that we demonstrate to them. So be glorified in our lives, I pray. And God, let us bring you honor. And I'm gonna ask that you stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you're not born again, you're not a believer, some of this was like, wow, that's just a lot to take in. 
And you might even be thinking it's a lot of rules and, and stuff, but realistically, it's not. What this is is just walking with Jesus, allowing Jesus to guide and direct your life no matter what's going on. So listen, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life and to guide and direct you, I wanna invite you to do that right now, right here tonight. Make that commitment to him and ask him to begin to change who you are as a person. So if I'm talking to you, listen, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and it's gonna be simple. You're gonna to admit to God you're a sinner, which that shouldn't be hard for anybody. If you're in here, you've sinned and the Bible, the Bible declares it, but I don't think I need to tell you that. You already know you've sinned. But you need to understand you've sinned against a holy God. You've offended a righteous God. And by doing that, what you've earned is separation from him. The Bible calls it death. You're separated from God. You've earned his wrath. That's bad news. Good news is Jesus Christ came and took that wrath that you deserve, that I deserve. He took it upon himself. And so you need to let God know that you want that forgiveness. You want that receipt that says your debt is paid in full. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and you can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. But the important thing is you gotta be sincere in your heart. If you're backslidden tonight, come home, man. Come back to Jesus right now. Just turn your heart back to him and, and come back. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at, right in your home and call on the name of the Lord. He'll hear you. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus Tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Come into my life and guide me. Tonight I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. 